Welcome everyone to the Learn Fresh podcast. My name is Nick Monzi, CEO and co-founder of Learn Fresh, and I'm joined by Calvin Seibert, our chief academic officer, my co-host, and affectionately and appropriately nicknamed the game changer of education. Changing the game. In this four-part series, we're going to be highlighting the inaugural cohort of the Learn Fresh Fellowship for Culturally Inclusive Education. The fellowship invites educators and curriculum writers of color to create and broadly share standards-aligned curricula that authentically represent the cultural, ethnic, and racial identities of their communities. In conjunction with Learn Fresh's existing community of education, program, and philanthropic partners, the fellowship provides space for educators to design, prototype, pilot, and promote their work. The fellowship strives to create a robust pipeline for the creation and implementation of culturally responsive K-12 curricula across all content areas from curriculum writers of color. In this episode, we're featuring Learn Fresh fellow Ashley Barnett. Ashley has been a teacher for over 10 years in Washington, D.C., New York City, and Baltimore, where she currently teaches in a private school. She graduated from St. John's University with a master's degree in childhood education and has spent her career focused on serving students in kindergarten through fourth grade. She has a particular passion for creating reading curricula that introduce students to a diverse range of authors, illustrators, and characters. So uh, the first question I'm gonna kick off for you, Ashley, uh, what has led you to work uh, in education? Any specific inspirations? My dad. My dad was very big on education in our household. We were those kids that we could not watch TV until homework was done, and instead of the 20 minutes, we had to read an hour. I remember particularly back in the 90s, my dad bought this big, like thick college level book all about African-American history. And this was a book that, it was a big book that you would probably start reading in high school and in college. And my dad's like, here you go. You're gonna learn about your history. And keep in mind that I am in the fifth grade and here you go. And you're gonna read this book for like a section each day. And looking back on it, I am happy that he made me read for that hour. I'm happy that he forced me to read that type of book because I feel like we don't get to learn about our own history in school. And so my dad being, being able to take that initiative has really helped me to make sure I put that into my classroom as well. Thinking about my own education and knowing that I didn't have a lot of teachers of color growing up, that I wanted to be one. When I started my fellowship at an elementary school, I was like, I like little people, the little kids, better than I like middle school and high school kids. And so that fellowship gave me new experience of like learning how or just knowing how little children work and how they create. And I'm like, this is fun. I like them a lot better and I get to mold them versus as teenagers, like they're already molded. We're, we're cut from the same cloth on that. And as you were sharing your experiences and stories, I'm like, wow, like we have so many similarities. Oh my goodness. From the high school kids where I was like, you know, cause I taught for 20 years, uh, K through eight, but I never stepped into the high school space because, you know, it was just like, even, even in college, you know, get my degree. It was like, uh, I don't really, I, I did the subbing substitute teaching and, um, I, I tried high school out. Um, it was okay, but I was like, uh, I, 
the little ones are better, you know, for me. <laughs> at, you know, the fact that I look like the high schoolers, this is going to be an issue here because uh, <laughs> I'm the boss. <laughs> what would you say has been the highlight of your experience as an educator? It's when they become tiny activists authentically. I remember a story, it happened a couple of weeks ago and I had my hair cut shorter than this. And one of the boys in my class was like, well, why is your hair cut short? Um, I thought all women are supposed to have long hair. And, I, and keep in mind, like back of my head, it's like, boy, but like the front of my head, it's like, so let's talk about this. What do you mean by that? Right. Um, he's like, well, my mom has long hair. My aunt has long hair. Um, all the girls in our room have all hair, long hair. All the teachers do, but you're the only one with short hair. Why? Why do you want to look like a guy? And it's like, all right. But before I can even like educate him, all the little tiny feminists in my room went after him. And it was like, she can have short hair. Not all women have to have long hair. We can be whoever we want. And it's like, I, I did my job. Like I didn't even have to say anything. I didn't have to educate. And it was done in a peaceful way. Like it wasn't torches. It wasn't like men are bad. It was just like, this is why. Um, and the fact that they were able to do that authentically shows me like, I'm getting through to you all. This is nice. This is getting through to you. I even had a coworker tell me that he went into my room and he started to talk about, um, what is race and what does it mean? Like, what does identity identity mean? And like, how do we spread other people's culture? And they're all like, yeah, yeah, we know that. Mrs. Barnett already told us. We know that we have to respect other people's differences. We know we can't use weird. Like, move on to the next part. He's like, I didn't know what to say. Your kids already did it. That's <laughs> like, we spent the first six weeks talking about, we don't use the word weird. There's something very... I feel like when people use it, it comes off as this negative thing, um, especially kids use it. And so they'd be like, oh, that's weird. And I will say them like, well, let's not use the word weird. I say it's weird to us because it's something that we have never experienced or seen. What we can say like, oh, that's different. And so they use that language. So whenever the Spanish teacher comes in and he talks, excuse me, he starts to talk about other cultures and stuff. They'll be like, oh, that's different. I never knew that. So that's been my highlight so far. When I hear kids repeating what I'm saying to other kids or other staff members in an authentic way, I, I feel like I'm doing my job. Ashley, just share a little bit about your initial reaction to the fellowship. You know, what interested you about it when you saw it? You know, why did you want to apply? Um, and ultimately, you know, at the beginning of the process of, of applying, you know, what did you see as your objective for being a member of this opportunity? Okay. Um, so I first saw the calling for it on an Instagram post. Um, I follow so many um, teachers of color and Black Lives Matter kind of um, teacher uh, like Instagrams that I can't particularly give that Instagram a shout out for host, um, posting this. So I'm so sorry to the Instagram handler who did do this. Um, and so when I read through it and started to look through your website, it's like, okay, there are not enough teachers of color that create curriculum. Most of the curriculum that is being designed are done by white people and mostly people that are not in education either at all or for a very long time and most of the curriculum is 
created to test a skill for a test. And I thought this would be a great opportunity for me for someone who loves creating curriculum, someone who loves being able to take what's happening in the real world and still mesh it with the skills and strategies that they still need to learn as readers and mathematicians and writers. Um, so I decided to give it a shot. Um, and to be honest, I forgot about it for the longest time. Like it was one of those things that happened at the beginning of school year. Let me try it out and let's see until I got the email. And it's like, oh, I forgot that I did this. Um, let me review my notes before this interview. Um, so that is the truth. But um, looking back on that interview, I'm very happy that I got this opportunity to be able to be a teacher of color, to be able to create curriculum that's going to be inspirational, that's going to not only teach skills, but help teachers talk and teach um, little people how to deal with the world and not through like, we're going to take this social curriculum and we're going to do this, but how do we do this in the most authentic way and connect it to things that we're already doing in the classroom? Ultimately, our goal is to just give folks the opportunity to have agency over their own stories, you know, in different communities to have agency over their own stories. Um, to your point around just like representation of, you know, curriculum writers of color, there was a study done based upon recommended books for elementary students in New York City. And, you know, keep in mind, New York City is an incredibly diver diverse place, one of the most diverse places in the country. And 90 plus percent of uh, the, the authors of, of recommended books for elementary school students were, were white authors, right? And you're talking about a school population where anywhere between you know, 70 and 80, maybe higher than that percent of students are students of color or of, of um, diverse ethnic origin. So, you know, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for folks to just be able to be able to tell their own stories in any discipline, whether it's in history, and I know that your background is in history, um, or your, your specific in interest in the moment right now is around history and kind of current events and things like that, and, and the anti-racist you know, movement. And, and I think these, these ideas, these concepts can also be applied to math, which is the area of focus for one of our other fellows, or social media, which is the area of focus for one of our other fellows. There, there's just so much opportunity here to, to allow students to see themselves in their learning, and same for educators as well. So from your perspective, kind of along those lines of the conversation, if you had to pinpoint like a couple specific areas um, or a couple specific action items, in what ways do you see the field of education needing to improve in terms of racial, ethnic, or cultural inclusivity and, and representation? I, the one point that you mentioned was that we need more authors of colors writing their own stories. Um, and it, they're out there believe it they're out there um it's a shame that they have to go through instagram or kickstarter to get their start that i feel like the publishing companies need to really start putting in that action like a lot of them are like we're saying we're doing this but i still i want to see their action like you need to be actually doing that and i think it's the same for publishing curriculum companies that you need to hire teachers of color like teachers who are currently in the classroom um and teachers that are outside the class, um, who have retired, but 
we're the ones here. Like we're the ones physically here every day in front of these kids. And we're trying to tell you that like, this is not right, that this is not okay. These are biased. Like I hated it. Um, thinking back to my own test taking and skills that I didn't get a chance to see characters of color too much in the books that I read or in the math problems that I was reading. Um, they really came around when it was Black History Month and that's when it's like, yay, here are all the black people and then here are all the women. That was it. Um, like I don't even remember reading about um, Hispanic Heritage Month or Asian Heritage Month until I became a teacher and I feel like in education, we need to get away from that model of the monthly celebrations and really think about how do we start incorporating these stories into everyday life, not just when that month comes around. Like, it's okay if you still want to do the monthly celebration and highlight them, but you have to keep going. Like, it doesn't stop. Um, I remember talking, I we had a PD about um, how do you bring more authentic, diverse books into the classroom. And there was a study that a lot of our, our diverse books are written by white people. And it's like, it's great that they want to share our story, but sometimes those characters are not authentic. So how do we start bringing in diverse authors into our classrooms to tell the story of children that are being represented in our classroom and give the kids um, new experiences, like open up that glass door, step into it. Also just teaches of color in general. Um, especially in the private school sector. When I walk through the halls, I should be able to feel comfortable within the institution that I'm working in. For private schools and other schools across the country, like how are you welcoming in teachers of color and how are you making them stay? How are you creating an environment in which they feel comfortable and staying in and want to work hard? Yeah, there's, there's so many things there that just resonate a ton. Um, so a couple of things I'll, I'll just highlight and respond to. One is the idea of, you know, getting educators who are in the classroom to write broadly available mainstream curriculum is, I mean, it, it, it speaks to everything that we believe in as an organization and that I personally believe in. The, the experience of being there with the students in the moment in today's society and being able to translate that into something that can be leveraged by other teachers in other parts of the country like that is that is deeply deeply valuable um the the point that you raise around just like perceptions of people resonates a ton and perceptions of communities and cultures um we've talked a bunch in previous episodes just about the way that you know, the Black History Month or, you know, Asian Heritage Month or gets treated in the school system or even society generally. Like, the through lines across the entire educational experience need to be much more complete. Getting perceptions of places that are other to us as a society clear and, like, actually telling the authentic true story is so deeply, deeply important. And that feeds into the way that, you know, we're talking over the last few weeks, the conversation around you know, we're building a multiracial democracy. Well, the multiracial element of the democracy has been there. Yes, like the data statistically shows that the number of folks who are non-white in the population is growing, but like the elements of it, of the population have always been there, right? So let's create a culture that, let's get our institutions to catch up. Let's create a culture 
in which we have a real genuine understanding of people who are different than ourselves instead of just making broad-based, sometimes ridiculous assumptions. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it kind of makes me think of, like you were, uh, Ashley, when you were mentioning how during Black History Month, it's like, it's the same Rosa Parks, yep. Dr. Martin Luther King, and uh, Harriet maybe Harriet Tubman. Not, Harriet not Tubman. all the time, but maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, I made that case last year when I first started here, and it came around, and I said, can we please not do Harriet Tubman? Can we not do Rosa Parks? Can we not do MLK? I said, every year, these kids can now recite who they are. I said, There's, I said we are more than slavery, we are more than the civil rights. I said, we are doctors. I said, let's look at Baltimore. Baltimore has a variety of people in color in high positions. Let's take a look at them. Like, this is their community. So they should know the people that are here. Like, let's take a look at that. Um, and again, we're doing MLK, which I get. It's his birthday, day of service. But uh, what I like was our DEI director's like, she introduced John Lewis. And so today I was um, reading to my kids. Um, it's called Preaching to the Chickens. And it's about how he started preaching. And I was like, does, every, does anyone know who John Lewis is? And it was just silence. Uh, and so it's like, okay, before I even read this book, we're going to learn about John Lewis. But that's an example of like, we do the same three people or Frederick Douglass or like we do the same people over and over and it's like by the time they're in 10th age they can recite who george washington carver was but they can they tell you who brandon scott is who's the new baltimore mayor can they tell you who he is can they tell you who elijah cummings is um we don't and even though no disrespect we don't need to do president barack obama anymore or michelle obama like we know who they are we know who beyonce and Stephen Curry, like we know them, but what about the people that we don't know? And how much of their life has been to positively impact their communities? And the same thing with Native Americans. Um, we learned about the Native Americans that occupied Baltimore and my kids were like, so where are they? It's like, that is a very good question. Let's go down that road and see where they're at. Um, and we still talk about the Native Americans from the past and the present. Um, but this idea that we are more than these eras and other cultures are more than these eras as well is what I've been really trying to push with my kids. So we are going to be learning about who John Lewis is for the month of February because I refuse for them to go to third grade and be like, I don't know who John Lewis is or even high school. Um, but yeah. yeah. I like how you, uh, you're, you're, you're making it happen. You yeah. know, when you're when you are an educator and, and you know you have these students that you can you can change mm -hmm. um, it, it's really important to, to kind of put the foot down and say this is what I'm doing here this I don't know what everybody else is doing in their classroom but in my classroom they're gonna learn about everything that I know is important yeah so um, I, I hats off to you for that What would you say your biggest uh, goal is for the fellowship? I want to create a reading curriculum, especially for K through two, that focuses on identity work and racial inequality. I think K through two students are able to do it. 
Um, I think if it's down on their level where they can clearly understand it, I think they'll be able to do it and be able to carry those skills when they leave school and be able to do it in their own community. Uh, part of that goal is to find as many diverse authors and illustrators and books out there and bring them into the curriculum, give them something new um, and say like, here's a book about the first open heart surgeon who did this and here's how it connects to what's happening now. Um, also just being able to tie it into COVID, like look at some scientists, some women and people of color who are on the front lines and are helping make these vaccinations and things like that, like read books about them and even just connecting the fiction books, the traditional fiction books that we read to what's happening. Um, if like we look at the three little pigs and the big fat wolf, does this remind us of anything that's happening today? I'm pretty sure we can make some connections to like, who do you think the big fat wolf would represent? What do the little pigs would represent? Like, I feel like we can have those connections without saying anything, um, ha make those connections with our kids and have them really start thinking like, wow, there is some people I know that act like the big bad wolf. Or even think about, well, is the big bad wolf really misunderstood? Like just being able to have those conversations. So like, that's my goal is to create this reading curriculum um, and doing it by not so much like themes, but just like how to keep it as updated as possible, knowing that there are gonna be things that change. Um, and then also still just developing a sense of like, what does it mean to be me? Um, I feel like that's the biggest thing that K through two students still get an opportunity to do, to really discover who they are. Like going beyond the all about me. I like green, I have a dog, I have two moms, or it's just, I want you to understand who you are and I want you to use your voice to say, this is who I am and not allowing other people to define you. I mean, it's a start, and hopefully they can carry that throughout their education, their life, not even their educational life, but just throughout life of like, in the second grade, this is what I learned about myself. In the third grade, this is what I learned about myself. And the, the way you phrased that just, it, it hit me, the point around like, in second grade, what do you learn about yourself? In third grade, when do you learn about yourself? And I'm thinking back to myself in school, and I'm like, man, like I can't, I can't think of anything. <laughs> like, I just know that I was in second grade, and I was going to the third grade. That's all I knew about right. myself, and I was a grade A student. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and then you get older, and everyone's like, well, you need to start. What do you want to do with your life? And like, what is your personality? And this is how you treat others. And here's how you collaborate in the workspace. And like all. All this stuff that has to do with your own inner workings that you just like ignore through like K through 12. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's, that's deep. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us, sharing a little bit of your wisdom and your time and your story. Um, I know that Calvin and I are both deeply, deeply excited to spend the year working with you and the other fellows. And it's just going to be a special process to see you take your ideas and bring them to life and, and take this, this narrative and, and, and story that you have for the curriculum uh, and put it into classrooms around the country. So um, thank you again, deep appreciation for you and looking forward to our next steps here as we move forward. Thank you, I appreciate it all.
The Learn First podcast is produced by our very own Nick Monzi and Sumner Becker with additional production assistance from Caitlin Woodward. Sumner Becker also does our engineering, editing, and music. The Learn First podcast is part of the Side Audio Network, an audio community founded by Jeremiah Ote and Naranjan Kumar. The Side Audio Network hosts podcasts that aim to transfer trust between people and communities through storytelling and conversation. 